0: Welcome to the Crux Podcast and Sermon of the Week. For more information about the Crux Ministries and Summit Church, please visit us at summitsanmarcos.com. Other topic in our relationship series, we've gone all the way through marriage, right? We did singleness, we did dating, we did engagement, we did marriage, okay? So now what we're going to talk about tonight is something that is funny. I, I sent a little survey around and I was like, are we done with the you know, relationship series or what else you want to talk about? Is there anything else? All these people turned in with the exact same answer. Talk about sex. Talk about sexuality. What do I do with lust? What do I do with temptation, right? And I was like, I guess we're not done. Okay, you know? And like two other people were like, talk about character, you know? <laughs> I was like, all right, I guess we'll do, what, we'll, we'll do a word on, on healthy sexuality because it's something that everyone, when you say it, they're like, I didn't write that. Everyone else did, you know? And you're like, "Yeah, okay, sure." I'm not a mathematician, but half the cards said the same thing, you know. So I think it's on people's minds, right? So, but first off, I have a video I want to show you guys. So, uh, Vanessa, do you have that video back there? Can you can you throw it up? All right. Was that fun? Oh, man. All right. So tonight, guys, we are talking about healthy sexuality, and we're talking about, um, if we have time to how to basically overcome lust and temptation, okay? Um, the reason... I show this. Well, first off, this was actually a test. Uh, The marshmallow test was a test that was actually first done 50 years ago. Okay, This is them reenacting it, kind of seeing, do today's children act the same way? But this was something 50 years ago, a test that was done. This is crazy. Only one in every three children were able to hold off. So two out of three ended up eating it. Only one held off and got the second marshmallow. Okay, so what they did is, this was so long ago, what they, the guy had this idea. 12 years later, he went back to the original study, and he said, I wonder where all those kids are now in life. And I wonder if there's any kind of a correlation versus the kids who ate the marshmallows and the kids who didn't. Okay, check this out. It says that, he looked, and all the kids that ate the marshmallow, this wasn't a 100% across the board, but on average, the kids who ate the marshmallows, they were more easily frustrated in life. They were indecisive, and they were disorganized. Isn't that weird? And then it says those who didn't eat the marshmallow and who held off, they, on average, were more confident, self-reliant, and they scored an average of 200 points higher on their SATs. That's crazy, Right? And this is, the, this is kind of their conclusion. They said that if you develop self-control at a young age, you are much more likely to take hold of your future and have better outcomes in life. Self-control can be taught, and it says the earlier the better. <laughs> it says, but it's a muscle that has to be grown. If you eat the marshmallow, okay, It's this idea of indulging, even from a young age, I want it, so I get it right away. And even at a young age, teaching yourself to just give in to what you want. And basically, it teaches you that it's not worth the wait. But the children who realize at a young age and they develop this self-control that said, if I wait... There's a greater reward at the end. They the they actually got further in life because they developed a character to, to hold them through the hardships of life. Isn't that crazy? And it talks about how, uh, basically, it's not this idea that if you eat the marshmallow, I'm going to be mad at you. It, they didn't, it didn't work out of punishment. It actually worked out of focusing on the greater reward. If you focus on, but if I mess up, I'll I'll, I'll commit a sin, right? That'll only save you for so long. But if you realize the yes at the end is greater, then you have actually vision. You see, my no now is because I actually have a greater yes down the road. Right? So I say no to the marshmallow now so that down the road I can have two marshmallows. <laughs> right? And I love it. The minute she's like, you can eat it. He's like, All right. <laughs> and he eats both of them. Like doesn't even hesitate. Right? But it's this idea of saying, not saying that it's bad that you desire the marshmallow. They didn't say that. They just said, you have to learn to control your appetite is what it's about. It's not saying, no, your desire for that sugary, awesome marshmallow is bad. How dare you desire the marshmallow? No, she actually said, I know, it was so hard, wasn't it? And he's like, Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, Oh, you did so well. And he's like, <laughs> And she's like, You can have it. And he even looks at it and he's like, She's like, It's okay. You can eat it now. He just eats it immediately, right? It's crazy, right? So it's this teaching of controlling your appetite. See, this is the same answer of how you overcome lust and how you protect your sexuality until marriage. You can either just go for it, lust now, have sex now, compromise now, pornography now, whatever it is that makes you feel good in the moment— because you're unable to say no to your own desires, or you can say yes to something greater in the future. You don't realize that by saying yes to the one thing now, you're saying no to a greater thing. You're actually stealing from yourself down the road. Like, When you see the value of the reward at the end, you actually fight to protect and wait for it now. You will make boundaries in your life and in your relationships, in your own mind and in your own heart, not rules, not regulations of like sin or no sin. No, no, actually it's stronger if you make a boundary to protect a yes than it is to protect a no, right? So no now is for the greater yes later. You see, every single day you choose to indulge in some kind of a sexy marshmallow, okay? <laughs> every day you are working on this character, this, this, this muscle, okay, to increase the reward you will get during your marriage. Okay, how do you say sexually pure? By resisting the marshmallow in every area of your life, even non-sexual areas. People just try to conquer lust, Right? but their character at their job is horrible, right? People try to just say, how come I struggle with pornography, right? But they can't keep their word on anything else, right? They don't have character in any other area of your life and then they wonder why they can't have character in the sexual area of their life. They're unable to show resistance and build a muscle in other areas. And so then they're like, why do I struggle so hard in lust, right? The way you actually overcome it is by building the character in all the areas of your life. Because then you're building this muscle so that when it comes to sexuality, it's the same character, the same muscle that is able to say, no, 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 that marshmallow looks real good. But no, 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 no. I'm going to wait for something greater down the road. You build self-control in other areas of your life. Fight temptations, even in things that don't seem sexual. And this will actually increase your ability to get over lust. We have the attitude, our culture says, I want it, so give it now. We do this with our credit cards, right? We're like, I would rather get it now and pay the penalty of interest and pay more down the road later so I can have it now right? I would rather finance it now. I would rather do it now so I don't have to worry about pay later. We do this, oh, I do this all oh, with fast food. It's horrible because you're weak. You're tired. It's been a long day. It's late. And then you drive by Jack in the Box. You're like, munchie meals, you know, right? And you're like, I know it's bad for me. I know it's wrong. I know it's basically like sin for my body almost, you know, <laughs> like I feel it's so good on the way in. And then afterwards I have indigestion, you know, right? And it's like, oh man. And then you leave and you're like, why did I do that again? I I vow to never do it again. And then the next night, you're exhausted after that shift of work or school and you're just like, I'm so lonely and tired and hungry. Jack in the box is always there for me. And you go right back to the munchie meal, right? And so by saying no in that area, you're actually increasing your character for the important areas. Faithful in the little, you'll actually become faithful in the much over here, right? You have to break the mentality in every area of your life that says, if I want it, I get it now. Right? right? You have, thank you, right? <laughs> yes, right, right, okay? You have to, every area of your life, break that mentality. It is not just a lust issue. It's a character issue in all the areas of your life. Like, take out the trash now. Don't leave it for tomorrow, you know? Do it now. Don't leave it for the other day. Do the homework now. Don't wait until midnight right before it's due. Like, serve now. Don't wait until you think you have more time later, maybe one day down the road. Like, like do it now. Now, do make the hard choice now to protect the reward of the yes down the road. This is how you get over lust. Through your, resist, your resistance of temptation, you are building the muscle of character, integrity, perseverance. That will be the glue that actually then holds your marriage together. Chris Valton, he says this. He's a, he's a famous preacher, and he talks a lot about sexuality and healthy sexuality. He says, how do you raise a child to be sexually pure? Well, when they cry, saying they want ice cream before dessert, don't give it to them. Teach them from a young age to value the, the value of waiting for the reward. Teach them just because they want ice cream doesn't mean they get it. I just want to encourage you guys. Do you see the value of what you're waiting for? Because if you don't, you'll just want to take it now. But if you see the value of it, you'll wait for it. So... Let's take a look at the value of it. I want to show you the value of it because if you think it's just for you, it's just because it feels good, it's just because God says it's a sin. If you don't, if those are all your reasons to stay pure, they're really not very good reasons. You know. And, and a lot of times when those are people's reasons, they fail. So I want to give you good reasons tonight, what it's meant to be for, a healthy view on it, and then how to protect it and fight for it. But you need to know the why before you know the what. If I just give you all these what's, you'll make them rules and they – you'll never have a real good why. So the rules will just fall. So we have to go after the why. The first step to actually understanding a healthy view of sexuality and overcoming lust is to actually understand God's heart for marriage. Okay, why? Because sexuality was always meant to be with inside the context of marriage. If you don't care about God's heart for marriage, you will not really care about his heart for sexuality. It's like saying that you want to understand how the brain works. I'm gonna be a brain surgeon. I need to know all about the brain. I don't really care to learn about the heart. The issue, though, is the brain dies unless it gets the blood from the heart. So you wanna learn about something, you're curious about sexuality, but you don't wanna learn about the very thing that keeps it alive, which is marriage. You you go brain dead unless the heart's alive and pumping, right, and so if your marriage is messed up, your your sex life's gonna be messed up in marriage, right? So care about the healthy marriage right? Learn about the healthy marriage, focus on the healthy marriage, and it'll actually give you a healthy perspective for a healthy sex life of how God valued it, okay? Our culture has such a messed up view of marriage, which is why they mess up view of sex and their sex life. And they say, who cares about marriage? Who cares about the sanctity of marriage, which is why the other one has fallen, because it was always dependent upon the other. You see, God really cares about his, he has a huge heart for marriage. God actually created the first relationship. It wasn't two best friends. It wasn't two, it wasn't like a dad and his son. It wasn't a government. It wasn't some kind of institution. The first thing on the earth was a marriage. God was the first one to give a bride away. The first father to walk his bride down the aisle. God, he, he is in love with marriage. He designed you to want marriage. He's the one who said two become one. The question is why? Why does God care so much about marriage? Colossians 1.16 tells us why. It says, for through the Son, everything was created, both in heaven and the heavenly realms and on the earth, all that is seen, all that is unseen, every seat of power, realm of government, principality and authority, here's why. It was all created through him and for his purpose. Everything that exists is for his purpose. Everyone say this with me. Say, for his purpose. Why are you alive? For his purpose. Why do you get married? For his purpose. Why do you have sex? For his purpose. That seems weird. Okay? However, it's not like God was like, everything was created to give me glory. Except for sex. I don't know. That was like, it was a necessary evil I had to create. I couldn't figure out a better way to get them to procreate. I don't know. I, just don't worry about, don't, don't talk about that one. Everything else is for my glory, right? You know, it's like, that's the one thing that didn't make it. No, no, no. If this verse is correct, that means even your sexuality was created to bring God glory. And that's a healthy view of it. Any other view of it is from hell itself and the devil who perverted it right? Right? Okay. Uh, The Bible said it, not me. Okay. So here we go. Marriage first and foremost was created for God. Then it was created for your spouse and then for you. You get the bronze medal, right? (laughs) Marriage was created for God first. Ephesians 5.31, it says marriage is the beautiful design of the Almighty, a great and a sacred mystery meant to be. This is why marriage is meant to be a vivid example of Christ and his church. Did I get the right reference there? Maybe I did not. That one's different. Well, (laughs) anyway, okay, so I'll find that one out. Anyway, okay, so, but it's meant to be a vivid example of Christ and his church. This is why you get married, so that you can be example for Jesus. John Piper, he says that the ultimate thing we can say about marriage is that it exists for God's glory. That, it is, uh, that is, it exists to display God. The highest meaning, the most ultimate purpose of marriage is to put the covenant relationship of Christ and his church on display. That is why marriage exists. If you are married, that is why you are married. If you hope to be married, that should be your dream. Marriage is first and foremost for God, for all to see it and say, wow, that looks like Jesus in his church. Children were meant to grow up, see mom and dad and say, that's what God feels for me. Unbelievers meant to see a marriage and say like, wow, that's, that's what it's, that's what Jesus is like. It was That's the first form of Dom, Emily, the only first priority reason you were married is so God could get glory. Everything else is an overflow of that, right? Isn't that amazing, you know? That's crazy. Which means, and if sexuality is inside of marriage, that means it was created for God's glory. If you think marriage is for you, you will think sex is for you. If you think marriage is for the spouse and for God, you'll realize that sexuality is actually for your spouse and for God. Isn't that crazy? And it feels weird because we are in such a sheltered society, or it's where the church is uberly sheltered and society is uberly, like, drunk on it, right? So it's like, it's hard to find a good measure in the middle. So it feels weird to say this, right? But everything was created to give him glory. With The problem is we get so uh, obsessed with this idea of sex is for me that I feel good. It gets perverted and it gets messed up. You have to realize it was actually first meant to point to Jesus and then be there to give to my spouse. And then I'm third. Once again, you get the bronze medal, (laughs) right? And so, This sounds weird, but if you believe the Bible, then you believe that everything is created for God to give him glory. If you realize that sexuality is for Jesus's glory, you'll actually start to invite him into it. You'll invite him to change your mind on it. You'll revere it as holy, not just something that makes you feel good. Marriage and sexuality is supposed to be so powerfully a gift of God, right? That's what it's meant to be. It's no wonder the devil would want to mess it up. If marriage was the first thing God ever created and sex is a gift within that, the devil's immediately going to want to try to skew it almost before anything else. And if that is meant to show the glory of God, he's going to go right after that first to mess it up. Because if people get a messed up view of sex, they will get a messed up view of God. Right? Which is why he so strongly goes after perverting it. And this isn't just some theological thing. Your body actually knows this is true more than you do. Your body, your psyche, your emotions believe this. I'll show you how. I'll show you why, okay? So anyway, Mark 10, 6 to 9. Hopefully it's the right reference. We'll see. But it says, it says however, from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Verse 7, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife. That's talking about sex, okay? And it says, and the two will become one flesh. That's talking about sex right there, okay? But don't tell kids, church, okay? So, okay, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. He literally says it is two people becoming one people. This is biblical, okay? The idea that you can have casual sex with someone, it's a myth that is not in the Bible, but it also, I'm going to show you, it's a myth that not even your own body believes is true, okay? This is why. Any kind of sexual activity that takes place, it releases chemicals and hormones inside of your system that flood your system, okay? So, there's a, a, a bunch of hormones that go off, some primary ones though. For women, a primary one that goes off is called oxytocin, okay? Oxytocin is a bonding ho- hormone that allows a woman to bond and it says this person I'm bonding with is the most significant person in my life. It's a hormone that says, I'm bonded to this person. It says it eases stress. It creates a feeling of calm and closeness, which leads to increased trust. It's a trust hormone that says, trust and That's why the devil perverts and says, if you have sex with him, he'll you'll trust him more. He'll trust you more. And then maybe you might get married, which is the devil knows this. So he perverts it and tr- twists it, okay? This hormone, okay, um, it tells her to nurture and protect the one that the hormone is released, like, the one she's with, the hormone says this is the one you're meant to nurture and protect with your life. That's crazy. Your body is telling you this is the one you're meant to nurture and protect for your life. And that's going off inside of you, okay? For men, this this hormone vasopressin, it's, it's a very similar to oxytocin, except in, it's primarily more in men. And it says this, that it causes man to bond emotionally and psychologically. It is nicknamed the commitment hormone. It's also nicknamed the monogamy molecule, <laughs> okay? It says this hormone generates a desire for commitment and loyalty, and it inspires a protective sense over one's mate and will create a jealousy towards them, saying this is, they're mine, and they're not meant to be anyone else's. It's this hormone that tells the man subconsciously in his psyche, she's with me and belongs to me and I will protect her with my life. This is what happens. Also, endorphins go off during sexual activity that are called happy hormones, you know? That, yeah, anyway, <laughs> it's called happy hormones, okay? It says they're highly addictive, okay? And they cause you to want to experience the rush over and over again. It's a, it's a hormone that goes inside of you that says, make sure to do this again so that you become addicted to it right that's crazy so the idea okay this is it says here that these hormones are called value neutral okay which means it doesn't matter if it's a one time or if it's a lifetime commitment it doesn't matter what your words say you, these hormones are released the same way So if it's a one-night stand or if it's marriage, the same hormones are released in the same magnitude in your body saying, this is the one to protect, to fight for, to marry, to be with, all this stuff, okay? This is what's happening in your body. Culture says it's not true. Your body is telling you otherwise, okay? Your own psychology says the opposite, okay? So... It also, this is wild, it says here that these hormones actually crystallize the memories that happen in this moment. So this is what makes sexual encounters so hard to forget because your body actually releases hormones and whatever you're seeing, whatever you're feeling, the memory, it crystallizes it, almost puts a shell of protection around it saying, do not forget this memory. That's because it's meant to bond you and protect you in commitment. That's why. That's why people, they they have such a hard time forgetting like sexual memories because your body's fighting to make you not forget it. So your your body releases chemicals that directly contradict the idea of sexual, like casual, like being casual. It directly goes against this culture that says, yeah, whatever, it doesn't mean anything. It's not a big deal. Like there's no such thing as casual sex according to your own body. So in marriage, this is a really good thing. Okay, in marriage, this is really motivating, really helpful. Why? Because God, you see, in His wisdom, right? Thank you, God, right, for your wisdom. Okay, it says He He knows that you would have hard days. He knows that there's going to be trials. He knows there's going to be stress. He knows there's going to be annoyances. He knows there's going to be moments where you're like, dude, I don't even want to be around you, let alone be married right now, right? He knows those days are going to happen. He knows there's going to be days where you're like, are going to be days where you're like I can't even contain myself. I just have to be with you. There's other days where you're like, oh no, if I go home, they're there. You know, like, like he knows this is going to happen, because this is just, it's in our our emotions, and humans are all over the place, man, right? Like, we're just, oh man, have you ever had that within the same day? You're like, God, you're always with me, and then a few hours, you're like, why have you forsaken me, God? You know? And then a few hours later, you're like, you're back! You know, like, this is how it is with our hearts, and so God, in his wisdom, he knew that if we just went off of our commitment, we would break up all the time, right? And so this is what it is. He installed like an override system of hormones that says regardless of how you feel, release these hormones that are going to remind you of your commitment, remind you of your love, remind you of your jealousy for them, remind you to nurture them, protect them, fight them. This is why it's a good thing for marriage because it actually acts as a glue within your marriage to remind you. And the reason it crystallizes the memory is so in the hard moments, you could be reminded of when you were nurtured and cared for and loved and one with somebody. That's why he made the, the memories so hard to forget. So the fights you could forget those, but the love and the commitment is hard to forget. This is the gospel within this, right? This is and it represents his ability to forget our past and crystallize our, our, our his love and our identity and who we are. Like this is meant to preach the gospel. When people look at it, this is what helps marriages out. It will cause you to be devoted and loyal and endure through any trial with somebody. This is what healthy sexuality does. This is why it was created. This is how it gives God glory. This is what our kids, it wasn't meant to be a thing where like in fifth, sixth grade, you get the awkward talk from your teachers and your parents never told you about it, you know, and it's weird and you're like, I don't know, right? This is meant to be something that as a child, you understood, like, wow, this is something that this is something that's worth waiting for because it'll be something that that keeps my marriage healthy and alive. Outside of marriage, though, these same hormones cause severe damage. Because what happens is, is you you bond and your body says you married someone. Your psyche, your everything says you're with them now. And then it breaks. And then you bond with somebody else and it breaks. You bond with somebody else and it breaks. It's like if you had a bone, and even if you broke it once in the same area, it's it's hard to get it as strong as it was. But if you break it in the same area again and then you heal it, and then you break it in the same area again and then you heal it five, six, seven, what, however many times, it's it, oh, it hurts for you to even walk on, let alone carry somebody else's weight. Wow. Right? It's this idea of like this breaking and this bonding, and then the problem. It, like having casual sex or sex even in dating relationship, it actually starts to dull and it numbs your psychology and your emotions to be able to bond with somebody because your body is learning to not trust you. Your body is actually learning to not trust this bond anymore because it just keeps breaking and it actually just starts to numb you. And then you have so many crystallized memories with so many people, your body says, why is this one any different? And then there's this level of commitment that your body doesn't trust anymore. And it's devastating. Psychologists actually did this study. They found that couples who waited until after their wedding night, they had their stability in their relationship was 22% higher than all the other couples. And it says that those who practice abstinence were found to have 20% increased level of relationship satisfaction. They're more likely to say, I'm happy in my marriage, if they waited. 12% better communication and 15% improved sexual quality. The people who actually waited until marriage said their sex life was happier than the people who said, well, you really need to practice to make sure you're compatible for marriage. Have you ever heard? It's the stupidest argument in the world. Have you ever heard that one? Right? You, just gotta, you better test drive the car first. And it's like, no, you're like totaling the car. Like, doesn't, <laughs> like that's, not, that's not test driving. Like that's stupid, right? <laughs> you know? so it's just this idea of like, no, 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 And what's crazy is the people who were abstinent, the people who had a bunch of sex before marriage, their sex life, they actually said wasn't as good. Why? Because their body wasn't able to trust the person. They had so many crystallized memories that this one wasn't as special. Their body didn't rank it as high because it was so compared to all these other things. And their body couldn't fully open up and trust their partner, their husband, their wife because they've taught themselves it doesn't really matter and they become numb to it. Those who wait, actually, their sex life is better. That's crazy. That's the exact opposite of what the world tries to make us believe. So the real question of all of this, the crux of it, is why the heck would God give me a sex drive and then say, nah, you have to wait till marriage? Have you ever had this? I don't know, maybe it's just me. Did you ever have that prayer where you're like, oh God, just take it away from me. You know, like, Lord, just let it, like, let my sex drive just, like, evaporate. And then the minute I say I do, just give it all back. Just, like, like, like a savings account. I just want to give it to you. And then the minute I get married, give it back with interest, Lord. You know, and you're like, Lord, please, like, you're cruel, God, like, why, you know, like, and there's this, like, has anyone, come on, I'm just being real, right, right, has anyone ever prayed that prayer, you're like, oh, please, God, just make me, like, I'm not attracted to anybody, like, like, you know, like, oh, God, and then the minute I say I do, just, like, turn it on, like, wild, right, you know, it's like this crazy, like, right, and you're, like, begging God, why would he give you this sex drive, and then say, no, 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 you can't have it. Right? Why? That seems cruel and an unusual punishment, right? So, okay, ha- here we go. This is a quote by Moral Revolution. They're an amazing organization that really goes after this. Really, look up their blog. Awesome, great materials, okay? So, they say this. They say, God gives you a sex drive before you're married on purpose. He wanted you to learn how to steward or take care of it. He's not mad at you for having it. He's not mad at you for having something he gave you. There's no shame in having a desire for sex. He wanted you to steward your appetite, okay? Like all other desires, even like the marshmallows, like he wants you to have the appetite and learn how to say no. Why? Because contrary to belief, lust actually will not disappear the minute you get married people think I'll get married and then my problems are solved right you know I'll never lust again right because then I finally have somebody but it's like that it's not how it works I've talked to so many men over the years who they say the first few months after marriage they have a huge issue with lust that they have to get under control why because there's like this horrible like sex bear that's been caged up your whole life that has just been starve it don't put the light on it don't look at it let it die like pretend it's not there like and if it if it growls hit it with a sharp stick you know like you're just like like kill this thing right that's what you that's what we've done with our sex drive we just locked it away and just said it's not there i don't hear you i'm not feeding you you're dead to me right and then the problem is <laughs> Is a family, right? I'm just talking really real, okay? So, and then the problem is, you woke the bear on your wedding night. Like you, you said, okay, come out now, you know? And then the bear is like ravenous, right? And doesn't know what to do, has all these scars from being messed up its whole life, right? And he's just trying to claw at anything, right? And, and then you're like, oh no, why is this happening, you know? And it's because you woke the bear, right? <laughs> That's why. And if you never learned how to control it back then, you won't know how to control it when it's awake. If you never learned how to keep it under control when it didn't have an outlet, you'll never be able to keep it under control now that you're letting it outside, you know? Like, right? You let a dog go outside and it's never been out, it's gone, it just runs away. And you're like, oh. But if you train it indoors... Right, and you're training it in your backyard, right? And then when it runs away, you're like, eh, stop. And it <laughs> right? Because right? you trained it. But if you never trained it inside, and you just keep the dog locked in a dark closet for five years, the minute you're like, Okay, you can go outside, it's running, it's gone, right? And then you're like, Oh, you bitch spot, you left me, you know? <laughs> it's like and it's like, Well, yeah, you've been torturing me for years, you know. So anyway. That's why. So you have to get in control of it now. That's why God gave it to you now so you can learn how to train it and get in control of it. Lust is a major issue even within marriage. This is, and you know, I know, here's this huge study by this organization that's the Coalition for Protection Children and Families. They did a study, Christians who said pornography is a major issue in their home, 47% almost half of them say it's an issue. That tells me that lust did not go away even though they got married. These are married people. They say it's an issue because they never learned how to control it before marriage. See, God gives you a sex drive now and then he tells you don't have sex yet so you can build a muscle, build the character, build the integrity. You will need to stay faithful within your marriage. He gave you this sex drive now so that you will learn to control it rather than letting it control you so that you will have a happier marriage. If you just give in to sexual temptation, pornography, lust, all that stuff now, you're going to be highly disappointed in marriage because you're going to be like, I can't, what? They can say no. What? What the heck? <laughs> right? And if, they, if, if your husband, your wife says, no, I just don't feel like it, right, tonight, and you don't know how to control your urges, you're going to go right to pornography or something else, because you never learned how to say no to the marshmallow. According to that same study, pornography use increases marital infidelity at a rate of over 300%. This tells me it's an issue. Okay, people, 40% of sex addicts, so people who can't control their lust and they just say they have an issue, right? They can't get it under control. says 40% of them lose their spouse. 58% of them suffer a considerable financial loss because they're not able to have the character to say yes and no. And about a third of them lose their jobs. You think it doesn't really affect other areas of your life. If you can't say no to an appetite here, you won't have the integrity and the character to do hard things in your job to keep the job. Because they never learn how to not take the marshmallow. They never develop the character to say no to their feelings. Isn't it amazing that being able to say no to such a little thing, little appetites in life, saying no to my sexual desire now actually builds the responsibility needed to hold a job and to carry a family one day. That's crazy, guys. So, God gave you a sex drive now while you're single so you can say no and build the character to last in your family. Say no now so you can say yes to a healthy future. You're gonna go back, and ultimately, when you're in marriage, you're going to lean on the foundations you built when you were single. You're not gonna go to marriage and be like, also oh, no, I figured it out. You know, it's like, no, you're gonna you're gonna go back. You're weak when you're weak in marriage, a lot of times you'll run back to whatever you did when you were weak as a single person. So if you ran to pornography or or whatever, or lust or these things when you were single, you're gonna do that in marriage. Because you never learned how to control it. So are you guys okay if I just give you some quick points on how to just overcome lust and then we'll be done for the night? Is that okay? Are you guys doing okay? Yeah, I know it's going longer. I feel like it's a lot of information I'm trying to shoot at you, you know? And so, but I know it's a big topic. Half of you wrote, you wanted to learn about it. So <laughs> I have a lot of information. Is that okay? Is that cool? Okay, cool. So real quick, overcoming temptation, overcoming lust. Here's just to like five things, okay? First off, the number one thing is honestly, believe it's possible. That's right. yeah. So many people think this is an issue, I'm just gonna have to deal with my whole life. I just, I'm just never going to overcome lust. I'm never going to overcome pornography. So many people in pornography, they, they, they describe it like a, like a trap that they can't get out of. And there's this belief that I'll never get out of it. You have to believe that the cross is enough. That's your first thing you got to believe the cross is enough. Don't believe the lie that you're going to struggle with this forever. Whether you get over it in 2 years or in 10 years, instantaneously, you know, fires whatever it is, you have to be stubborn about this idea that the cross is enough to set me free from set me free from lust, set me free from pornography, set me free from this. The cross is enough to control my appetites. You have to say the cross is enough and get it into your system, believe that it's possible. See, you know, temptation. It doesn't. Me- ble- temptation. I'm sorry. Temptation doesn't mean that you're broken inside. It's actually like like Jesus was tempted. It says Jesus was tempted with every desire that a person would go through. There's gonna be moments when Jesus was tempted with lust, but he never sinned because he never chose lust. He never chose to indulge in it. He chose to to protect his appetite, to change it, to focus on God. All these things, right? So don't get don't get all angry at yourself if you're tempted. Stop, be like, no, 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 cross is enough. Get behind me, go away, you know, and focus on Jesus. That's the first step. Do you believe also the cross is enough to clean your past? Some people have so many of these crystallized memories, so many of these hormonal just dumps that have happened to create connections with people. Do you believe the cross is enough to wipe that out, to make your mind, make your heart, like to make your hormones, your psyche, everything, believe that you're a virgin once again, you know? Like you can't go to the past and change it, but what you can do is you can believe that the cross can not only just heal your body, but can actually heal your hormones, heal your crystallized memories, heal you. Have you you hid those from God? God, or have you given them to him, said, God, forgive me, take these away, wipe my hormones. You made my hormones. Wipe them clean, God. Reset my memories. Do you believe the cross is even enough to start you over in that area again? That's the first thing you got to go after is the power of the cross to reset your hormones even. Second one is know your yes. First one, believe in the cross. Believe the cross is enough. Second one is know your yes. If you try to say no to sexual temptation, it's not going to last very long. But if your no is backed up by a greater yes, you'll be able to get through it. I, I don't say like, I don't look at pornography because it's a sin, right? That's a very shallow answer. I don't look at pornography because I want a healthy marriage, right? Like I don't do this now because I want this in the future, right? So it's not, people are like, oh man, I remember I was working and a guy was like, yeah, he's a Christian. He doesn't believe in having fun and having sex with people. And I'm like, no, no, no. It's actually that I so believe in having a fun, healthy marriage that I'm not doing that now. Like the yes is greater than the no, okay? Know your yes. Chris Valton, he says the goal of a healthy sexual culture is not to get rid of this desire for sex. You're never going to be able to do it. And God's not going to take it away from you. You know, so often we go after, I'm an evil man. I have this desire to have sex. And God's like, well, I kind of put that in you. Can't take it away. Sorry. You know, like (laughs) irrevocable gift, you know, sorry. You know, right. You have to learn what to do with it, right. You have to learn to say, to, to control it. So he says this, he's like, we must stop shaming yourself. Stop shaming yourself for having this desire that you were created for. Stop going under shame. You must stop shame yourself. And it says, teach yourself by saying no to temptation because you're saying yes to a better future. That's what you do. So when lust comes into your mind, don't be like, I'm just this horrible, messed up, gross person. You know, Don't look at me. Right? No, no, stop. Stop and just be like, no, I'm going to have a healthy marriage. Thank you, God. And then move on. Amen. Don't beat yourself up. I'm this horrible person for having these desires. No, no, no. Just focus on the yes of your future marriage. Okay. Okay, here we go. Number 3, bring it to community. Don't hide it. Talk to someone who isn't struggling with it or they're in a different stage. It's not necessarily healthy. <laughs> I've seen like five guys all say they struggle with pornography and they're all each other's accountability partner and it's just this talk about every week about how they messed up again. You know, and you're kind of like, this isn't really working. You know, like like go to people that you know are, are married or they have victory in this area or they have breakthrough in this area or they don't struggle with it or they've learned to control their appetites. Go to the community. Open up your heart. Say, hey, I messed up with this. Guys, talk to guys. Women, talk to women. Right? Like <laughs> I had a guy tell a woman once he struggled with pornography and she's like I don't know what to do. He wants me to mentor him in it. I'm like, no, that's weird. Don't do that. Like tell him to come to me, right? And so like like don't do that, right? Okay. So but get community. Isolation is never the pathway to healing. Okay, community is essential to freedom. Number four, get your needs met in a healthy way. Find a healthy way. You have a desire. Get it met in a healthy way. Havilah Cunnington, she's one of the leaders of More Revolution. She says, we as people, we've been designed for three things, intimacy, connection, and comfort. You have been designed for intimacy, for connection, and for comfort. So intimacy, how are you getting your need for intimacy met? Because you have it. Intimacy, it means being close, familiar, knowing someone with a, a group, knowing and being known. If you don't have that in your life, you'll look for it in lust. You'll look for it in pornography. You'll look for it through sexual activity because you have a desire for intimacy. Okay? So... Fill that desire in a healthy way. Number two, uh, the desire, that connection. Feeling connected is another human desire that you need. So you have to go after community to feel connected and comfort. You need to be soothed, reassured, encouraged in life. Find someone who can comfort you. When you have those three needs met in a healthy group way, you'll find that your lust will actually drop way low. And you'll find that your desire to get the the perverted, messed up version of it will be way low. So sex is an easy way to get these needs met, but outside of marriage, it'll actually leave you more broken than before. Okay, number five, last one is just get some boundaries. Like don't be stupid, make boundaries, okay? Boundaries protect what you said yes to in life. So I don't look at my computer after 10, so to speak. This is an example. I don't. It's not like, I don't look at my computer because I don't want to mess up. No, no, it's I don't look at my computer after 10 because I value the purity God gave me, right? So you're setting up a healthy yes boundary. Boundaries work best when they're protected by what you value, not what you are afraid of, okay? A boundary works best in your life when it's not to protect a fear, it's actually to protect something you value. It's like that fence is there to keep the mountains light out, keep the mountain lions out or is it there to protect your children which one do you care more about like i put up a fence there so creatures don't get in it's like no i put up a fence so that my children can play in safety right so realize the yes behind your boundaries let's stand together yeah and can you guys turn on some worship music i know i went long guys longer than normal all the way up to the end here just because i know it was a lot of information all right. So we're going to take a moment to do that step one, to really give it to Jesus, okay? Because that's where it all starts. If you do not get right with God, if you do not ask God to take it and just wash it clean your past, whether you have these crystallized me- memories to a website because of pornography, whether you have these memories from a past partner you were with or a broken relationship, whatever it is, or if it's just lust in general, right? If you have all this stuff and you need to get washed from it, you need to Get free from this sexual impurity. This is the first place where you just say, God, I believe the cross is strong enough to wash this out of me, to wash my mind, to reset my hormones and my psyche, and to take all the crystallized memories out. So, we're going to take a moment. A moment. We're going to uh, basically, we're going to put up the worship music a little bit more, and then what we'll do is we'll just say you have a few minutes, guys, to really get before the Lord and get into a place of saying, God, I believe the cross is enough to conquer this area of my life. So you can get on your face. you can There's tissues all around if you need it. You can lay down. You can stand. You can do whatever you need to do to get your heart before God saying, I believe the cross is miraculous enough to heal me in this area, okay? And then crux team, in a few minutes, just go around and start praying and ministering for some people, okay? So we're just going to kind of do that all the way up uh, until nine o'clock, okay? Awesome. So Lord, we ask that during this time, you would speak to us, that you would show anything in this sexuality that we think is unhealthy or that we have perverted or we have messed up in our minds, God. God, and we invite you right now to come heal it, speak to it, wash it, minister to it, and reset it and give us a healthy perspective of sexuality, God. Thank you, God. So we come before you now, and we repent, God, of anything in our past, and we ask you to wash us, God. So guys, you take some moment, have some private time with God, and just do whatever you need to do to fully just repent and give that to the Lord. Thank you for listening to the Crux Podcast Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit SummitSanMarcos.com for other exciting content from Summit Church.